In this edition of The Co-op, I sat down with my longtime partner in progress, Jesse Phillips, and the co-founders of the Kickback Foundation, an organization founded in Southwest Philadelphia by humanitarians and community leaders, Lamont Brown and Nisa Coates. Of the many things that they've accomplished, the Kickback Foundation has most recently been recognized by the city of Philadelphia as positive influencers shaping and shifting the lives of other Philadelphia residents. The interesting thing about this session is that I had just met my Aunt Nisa for the first time the night before we recorded this conversation. I had just arrived in town and Jesse had already committed to spending his time with the Mothers in Charge organization that night. Uh, he had asked if I was interested in attending and I agreed. So he sent me the address and that's where we all met. And by the end of the night, after sharing our different experiences, I thought it was important to highlight their journeys, their missions, their actions, and accomplishments. And I'm happy that they agreed to do so. So here it is. Enjoy. Back up off the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to say what you, what, what you know what I mean? Like, you good. You good. <laughs> my name is Jesse Phillips. And... Um, we're actually at my job right now at the University of Sciences. That's where I, I, uh, I work as the uh, director of campus recreation. And I manage this facility that we're in, the Athletic Recreation Center. And I've been here since 2003. Started as an intern and worked my way up to director level. I have two children, a Jesse and Jania, eight and six. I'm married, been married since 2008. I'm from New York and... Um, what about educational? I'm trying to be talking about that. You know, I don't. So I, I, I got my, um, my BS from Temple University in Sport and Recreation Management. I received my master's from the University of Sciences in Pharmaceutical Healthcare Business. And now I'm currently pursuing my educational doctorate, EDD, in Organizational Leadership and Innovation from Wilmington University. And my Brown, uh, founder of the Kickback Foundation. And I'm Nisa Coates, and I'm also a part of the Kickback Foundation. Co-founder. Co-founder. Great, man. So, so the Kickback Foundation. So I just want to just back it up to how we all came to, to meet each other last night, because I think it was, it, 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 I got no words for it, honestly. I'm speechless right. uh, just by... The, the power that was in the room. So Ma, if you could just lead us into the order of events yesterday, what we got involved in, uh, how you kind of got to, to know Jesse, mm -hmm. and uh, get into that a little bit. Uh, last night, it was a, a, a grief session that's held every Thursday by uh, Ms. Dorothy, the founder of uh, Mothers in Charge. And what it is is an organization for families, mainly mothers, to grieve uh, if they son, nephew, grandson, uh, yeah, yeah, get you know, pass away through violence. Last night was, I think, the first time me and Nisa actually was, yeah, the first time we've been there together, right? To do well, at least to see the new office and actually do the support. yeah, but definitely do the support group, right? Griefing um, situation. So, um, yeah, it was it was a um pretty moving uh session, um, but. Leading up to that, you know, uh, a couple people people told me about Jess. Uh, I he said he don't know him. Just word of mouth. Word of mouth, man. You got a big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you know but um, you know, somebody told me I should reach out to Jess. He was a cool guy. So over the last two weeks, we built a dope relationship, and um, you know, he was just telling me like how much he wanted to do motivational speaking, and for, for me, honestly, like that platform is at my front door every day, all day. So I'm like, hey, come share your gift. And, um, you know, we went there and, and met up with you. Yeah. And honestly, the rest is history. So so let me ask you, so the Kickback, you two are the, the co-founders of this foundation called the Kickback. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your relationship with one another, how you came to meet one another, and, and, and what the vision is for the Kickback, the objectives? Uh, well, me and Mont share a mutual friend, Yusuf, how you doing? Um, 
Yusuf is huge in the city with uh, he he's on the post in terms of setting up events within the city with all the local like artists. Gatekeeper. The gatekeeper, exactly. Um, so I was at an event that Yusuf was booking and Mont performed, and um, he was like, "You gotta meet my friend Mont." We talked. And me and Mont kind of been cool ever since. We just kept in touch on social media. And come to find out, we had so much in common in terms of music that was just like, yo, let's kick it, talk about music. So our friendship just was established off of, you know, his band sounding like The Roots. I'm like, you guys are definitely took what The Roots have done for Philadelphia and just flipped it 360 and brought a whole new vibe to just music in terms of where it was at that time. Um, and so that's kind of where our friendship started it didn't become a business relationship until three years ago yeah. so i say we're friends first yeah. so you know it just made sense he introduced me to his first artist he took a backseat on the band and said you know i want to focus on something different um he introduced me to his his first artist and goddaughter i'm in child and um i kind of fell in love with the whole vibe and we just took a life of his own. So how did it materialize from, from friendship to business? Because going into business with friends can be tricky because the, sometimes the communication isn't always there, everything isn't out on the table. Right. What was it about one another that you saw that this could actually work mm. beyond just it being a dream and uh, a vision? I think for me it was like more so like when I would be on the road, because we was on the road a lot, when I come back, it was just like, she would ask me questions. Cause I was, I'd be doing a lot, like working with the Senator, doing so much in the community. Oh, what's, what, what Senator, what Senator? Senator Anthony Williams. And as a state Senator? State Senator. Okay. And um, it wouldn't be like a typical conversation with a regular female that's trying to get with me. <laughs> it's just like, you know, what, what the Senator is doing for you, uh, what the band looked like, which I get into. So it was just like different because she was really into the music. And that always like, you know, stuck with me like, man, and she's smart as hell. Mm -hmm. So it was like, yo, if I, if I uh, find a position for her, we gonna, we gonna, I'm gonna put her on the team. And that's, you know, honestly, that's what it was. Okay. And um, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations. And uh, after it was over, after, after the pain, everything was over, she was the only one standing with me. So okay. it's like a no brainer. So, and, and both of you are from born and raised in Philadelphia. Yeah. Southwest. Southwest. Both Southwest. Uh, what was that like for? And, and this is for everybody. And and uh, so, if you could tell me a little bit about your upbringing, what what was the expectations of you, the family structure that you grew up with, and, and how that affected some of the decisions that you made to get to this point. Um. Well, Southwest is, believe it or not, I think people in Philadelphia forget about it, but it's it's huge. Um. And I grew up on the side that they call 78th Street. So that the, the rich side. They the call it side. the rich side. So the Southwest is kind of broken up between like a, a Philly. It feels like a suburb, but it's still Philadelphia. Um, and then there's like the more grittier area where the side that mine's from. Um, is that the bottom? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I, I, it's all the same in my yeah. eyes. But, um, you grew up with Will Smith grew up at. <laughs> no, 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 he on the west side. That's west, but <laughs> kind of like that feel. It was like that over Brooklyn feel yeah, vibe yeah. over there. City ad feel. Uh, <laughs> not little, that pretty. A little no. bit. Just, if, you're, if you're familiar with the Philadelphia airport, I live like yeah, she live really airport. close. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's like the difference, I guess, visually is we had garages yeah. attached to our homes and no corner stores. But we all went, all the, the kids went to the same neighborhood school. Yeah, so like right. we blended regardless. So we still got the same uh, peer group. But as far as my upbringing goes, my mom was a single parent. Uh, grew up in a very spiritual, uh, structured home where up until about 12, everything was very solid, rigid. And then my mom was like, you know, Here's the foundation. You take it. You figure it out from here. You just can't live a life of religion. My mom grew up in a nation of Islam. So um, a lot of my upbringing is based on discipline. And um, one thing I was always told is your word is your bond. So, you know, you honor that. And everything else, it just, it'll, it'll make sense. Um, so that, and then with a public school education, the only thing you know is how to, you just want more for yourself. 
Um, I grew up on 55th and Chester, 54th and Trinity, Ghetto Nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, that's the name of it. It's like it's like a 12 block stretch from 54th and Whippy down to 54th, 54th and um, Woodland Avenue. So, uh, my upbringing was pretty cool, man. I seen the good and the bad. My father was a millionaire. Um, my mom made a lot of money off the street. So I seen I seen it. I was spoiled coming up. And then um, due to my mom being incarcerated and my father getting killed, I seen uh, the other side of the, the stick when it ain't so good. Um, so it, it was, I always, my mom, uh, instilled that in me to be an entrepreneur, be a hustler, but not just be a hustler like selling drugs, but just hustle for what you want, right? So I did that and I put into my own. Like I didn't, I didn't want to be on a corner selling drugs and nothing like that. I fell in love with music like at a young age, and that's what kept me like out the way, kept me off the streets, kept me sane. Um, I caught a lot of breaks with the music, man, and um, the breaks I caught, I just wanted to do something. Uh, else with the opportunity besides just like rapping, so that's when I tapped into like the community stuff, and um, and we here now. Okay, just like music was a stepping stone to do the things that we doing now. Working with having meetings with Farrakhan and sitting on the boards of commissions for the mayor office, different things, man. Yeah. Yes. No, that's beyond crazy. It's real. You know what I mean? That's what he's doing. Yeah. Um. So. I grew up in in New York, New York City for the first what part? ten years of my life, Queens, oh, Queens, Queens, New York. Right then, my family moved to Long Island. You tell people you're from Long Island, like, oh, you're not from New York. No, it's, <laughs> it's, you're from New York. Uh, but yeah, I lived in Queens first ten years, and we moved to Long Island. Wow, from in, we we went from an apartment in Queens to a house in Long Island uh, with lawn, garage. But I grew up with both my parents, and I think that was. Um, so important for for me and my brother and sister uh, that we had two parents in the household whether they were there which they were they were working a lot but I always had two people I can talk to and I think that's it's important when you think about that and when people do grow with both their parents they have two perspectives to work from you know you got your mother and father so I was blessed I was absolutely blessed, still am blessed, they're here today, that I had, I have two people who I can talk to, right, and get two different perspectives, and I, and I can almost pick and choose which way to go, you know what I mean? And, and I think that has really helped me a lot. My mother always preached education, education. My dad always preached work, 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 you gotta work. So. I just combined the two. <laughs> you worked at education. You know what I mean? I work in education. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's two perspectives. You see what I'm saying? How they combine. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things I like to talk about is collaboration, right? And that that's a collaboration right there. It was a blessed collaboration between my parents and myself. And I had that opportunity to listen to those two different things and those two different messages that they gave me. And I just put them together, basically. Um, but yeah. My brother and sister, my brother lives in, he lives in California right now. He's been traveling the globe, basically doing whatever he wants to do, and he's into everything. My sister, she's at, she's at home. She just had a baby. Uh, as a matter of fact, my niece is going to be two years old in, in like next week, actually. Yeah, so I think, I think my parents raised us really well. Now, again, I, it was, it's, it's just a, a blessing to have you know, both of your parents. I know not everybody has that opportunity, has that, um, that blessing. I don't take it for granted, mm. you know. I don't take it for granted, and um, I try to, you know, do the best for myself, but also my family name. I think that's important. In all my interactions, I believe that I shouldn't be negative. You know what I mean? I shouldn't um, let out like negative energy. You know what I mean? And I, and I think that the positive energy that I do give off attracts other positive energy, and I believe that's a testament to what's happening right now. Um, especially meeting with Mont, um, what, last week? <laughs> you know, it's almost like I've known him my whole life, damn near. You know what I mean? Like, we just, he called me big bro, that had me hype. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, that, you know what I mean? And I call him little bro. It's like, all right, we, you know, that's that's how we connected. You know what I mean? I thought that was powerful. Just him calling me big bro, that, that, that made me feel some type of way. Yeah, man, you know what I mean? Respect. You know respect what I mean? I pre and, I, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. So, um, yeah. So that, and that energy that he got, you know, and then you just happen to be coming here, right? You know what I mean? And that's the relationship that we have. You just like, all right, what's the address? Right. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And I mean, we talk about, Aaron and I have, like, conversations. You know, we've been having conversations for a long time, you know, uh, like, you know, with just what we can do. You know, what we can do amongst each other, like as friends, you know what I mean? But also just, you know, expanding our reach, you know, expanding our reach. And I, and I, I know I know, Ma and Nisa, you know, you guys have a tremendous reach right. in this area. And that's the next, that's one of the next steps for me. You know what I mean? So along with meeting Brother Mont here, right, and that positive energy he had, it just connected with my positive energy, but also some of the things that I wanted to get accomplished in my life. Um, so I think that's... And that's another collaboration. Yeah, this you know I mean? synchronicity at its yeah. finest, right place, right time. Absolutely. Um, and we, like you said, the university wants to get involved. I, like I mm -hmm. said before, everybody believes in taking care of Philadelphia as a whole, yeah. but there's so many subsections of the city. Mm -hmm. Southwest is the last to be remembered. Wow. Um, and then having a university literally on its neighborhood mm -hmm. and just trying to, you know, plug in those holes and bridge those gaps. We mm -hmm. appreciate it. For Southwest? In Southwest, oh, absolutely. Man, we, we get left out. And uh, the council, state rep, they tell you that, that we Southwest got forgotten about. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think just everything happened for a reason. When you think about it, like, it's a reason um, I'm in this position with Nisa to, uh, I mean, she's, she's from the corporate world. I don't come from that world. You know, I come from the streets, and we both attacking it from two different yeah. ways. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's a collaboration. Collaboration. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times, I think the reason what draws me to mind so much, too, is you got to remember there's a certain type of um, attitude. Can, or, can, you, can you talk a little bit about where you come from in the corporate world? Give us a little um, history behind that. So, originally... So straight out of college, I went to school for communications and manage, <laughs> management. Um, so honestly, I always had this mentality that I'm, I worked at the airport all throughout college. Um, so once I graduated, I'm like, I'm not going to be working with a bunch of people when I just went to school to go to get in debt. Um, simply just be still standing in that same place. So um, I, every day I applied for 10 jobs a week. It took me about eight months. I want to say I went over... Com with the combination of phone interviews and mm -hmm. in-person interviews, about 100 interviews. I mm -hmm. lied to you not. First job I actually got was in a, a private mortgage firm where I was doing corporate operations. So, And that was on your own, no help, no calling from from anybody? That's oh, yeah. Was, if you want to say from the muscle, yes, from the muscle. Mm -hmm. um, the muscle. Literally. That's, that's a Philly term, from the muscle? From the, yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, in other words, saying yeah. uh, with no help. No help. Mm -hmm. Just right. out the there. Okay. Indeed.com, yeah. yeah. no fancy uh, references, right. yeah. okay. no phone calls made. Yeah. And honestly, when I went, by, by this time I was so worn out from rejection, I said to myself, I'm, I'm just tired. Yeah. Um, no more trying to do the, the suit and tie, you know, perk up the voice, let me try to play to everybody's drums but my own. And they called me. I went. I did an interview for the firm. I didn't even really know. They told me, "Listen, we're creating a new job. We think you'd be a good fit for it. This position has never been held by anybody mm -hmm. before. Just the way you interview, we just feel like it's for you." Wow, it's powerful. I couldn't even go back home and tell my mom, and my friends, what kind of job I just got offered. <laughs> honestly, they like we they didn't even have an office for me yet. Like it was some new stuff mm -hmm. and. Um, Corporate operations um, in the mortgage industry means you make things more efficient. Mm -hmm. So if it took five days for you to lock a loan, how do we make that three days mm -hmm. so we can spend more time in another area? Mm -hmm. So wherever the gaps are, I'm just the person to figure it out, plug it, and keep everybody on every hand happy, oh, yeah. um, whether it's the borrower, processor, underwriter, legal, and make sure everybody gets the closing happy. And the company's not spending more money. Uh, so I started there. But to kind of go back to what I was saying was being black and a black woman in a corporate world, you feel like you have to shed some some skin. 
in order to get there and to stay and be comfortable with who you are. And I always felt like I had to lose a piece of me when I walked in the door every day in order to be able to survive in that arena. Working with Mont, I don't have to shed anything. I come as I am. And a lot of times people judge him. You know, they say, you know, the hip hop guy, the rap dude, he comes in with that. Tattoos all on his face and everything. Yeah, they, <laughs> but the thing is, no one, here's the thing, no, in business, a lot of times they don't, they judge you based on the names you can drop and how shiny your shoes are sometimes. So, yeah, uh, he's, he's not polished, but the great part about it is there are very special people that, can do, can't do what he does that owns a dozen suits and ties. That's right. And has a billion degrees. That's right. And can't connect the gap between uh, people Big in the wife community. And yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you say? Big wife and daughter. Uh-huh. Let alone try and bridge the gap yeah. between the community and. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just honestly, I just feel like in the simple, I don't look at life like this big science project. I don't, it's not, it's not rocket science to me. It's just like we all put here for a reason. And whatever you doing, that's why you was put here. Yeah. So if I'm if I got tattoos in my face, and I'm on a mayor's commission, that's cause that's what I put to be done. Yeah. Like period. It's yeah. nothing. No one could say that's just what it is. And destroying those those barriers, Absolutely. you know, because yeah. people who'd have thought the guy with the tattoos has more interest in his community than a guy with the hundred thousand dollar six figure budget. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, nine times out of ten, you're going to take that money and you're going to go call another part of the city, uh, brewery town, or gentrify it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So, yeah. y- y- you know, the old folks' homes get taken down. The basketball courts the don't have lights. The school, Two of the schools I grew up in, I went to all neighborhood schools, mm-hmm. don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't go back and have alumni day at my high school. Mm-hmm. And mind you, this is a high-populated area because we're by two major highways in the Philadelphia airport. And our community does not have things for people that look like me and mine. That was somewhat of the, the inspiration for Kickback, was to impact the community through our art. music and fashion. Our, our, music. our music and fashion and, and make people not even knowing uh, what our events, they become a humanitarian once you uh, Contribute. Uh, yeah, contribute. Or collaborate. Yeah, because yeah. if I say, yo, the only way you get in my event, you got to bring a plate of food for somebody else or... Donate a pair of sneakers. Yeah, so you becoming a humanitarian without you even knowing. Yeah, and so you guys are coming off of a citywide acknowledgement, the KWY Philly Award is a Game Changer Award. Yeah, the KYW Philadelphia Game Changer Award, which is, uh, I think they've been going on for like five years now. And they, they each year... They pick who they feel is the top 10 community leaders. Mm-hmm. And um, I just ha- happen to be the first person. So it's cool. impressive, man. Congrats. That's, 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 yeah. that's worth talking about. So it's remarkable, man. Yeah, and then the day after that, I, I, uh, Nisa was with me. At this, no, he was with me both days. What was the day two? The W-E-B, the Boyce Award. Oh, yeah. He got the – then that award was about innovation. So mm-hmm. pretty much how the arts um, inspire and, and stimulate the community. Um, you know, as we know, mm-hmm. uh, W-E-B, Du Bois is, you know, activist and leader. Absolutely. Um, so it kind of shows how, again, Mont's root starts from mm-hmm. um, music and it's transcended into, like you said yesterday – ownership and becoming a leader. Mont's voice mm-hmm. speaks surpass music. It's just he used entertainment and music as his vessel. Mm-hmm. So now people are attracted to him because of what he can produce. Now it's his he decided to use his popularity to have a deeper message than, you know, seeking follows on Instagram. And you two you were youth ambassadors during the Million Man March. Twentieth anniversary. Can you talk a little bit about how you became to be youth ambassadors of, of that movement and what it meant to you and talk a little bit about that experience. It was just, it was an idea. I just called Nisa on a late night, like, yo, it'd be dope if we can be like the youth ambassadors and then I'll let you finish. Yeah, well, this is how anything we do is like, it starts from a conversation. So that's just the formula for how things become uh, full-blown projects, and my said, like, hey, let's try to get a bus, 
Like, that would be dope. Because before that, we're talking about taking a bus to get kids just outside of the community. Like, take them to go see a play. Take them to, to Washington to see the White House. And then we, you know, all the campaigning for the Million Man March came up. He said, you know what, scratch that. Let's just do a bus. And maybe we can just be the ambassadors of that bus. I say, well, I mean, let's figure it out. Let's, how do we do that? We don't, I, I don't know tonight, but we're going to figure it out. Funny thing is, literally the next day, I talked to my uncle. Um, who's still part of the Nation of Islam. And he was a part of the uh, original Million Man March. So I just told him, I was like, hey, me and my partner had this idea. Uh, we're thinking about doing it. Just out of casual conversation, he gave me a phone number and said, you need to call this guy because they too are organizing to take some buses down. So I said, well, like, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's figure out how do we collaborate together. Took a meeting. They really didn't have everything up and running, but they they liked Mont's influence, and we kind of had way more ideas and structure. So we collaborated together. From there, my uncle was also best friends with Kenny Gamble, who was also kind of facilitating the Philly chapter of taking those buses to Philadelphia. And um, we established a relationship with Kenny Gamble, who was the legendary um, man who kind of engineered the Motown sound through yeah. uh, writing music. Yeah. Um, so Love Train, if anybody knows that song. I mean, even yeah. records for Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson records. Yeah. He has a street named after him. Uh, you know, he owns orderies. Hundreds of properties. Yeah, of, real estate tycoon. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, he's the guy. And he's been a mentor for you? Oh, took us under the wing immediately. Yeah. So I definitely wanted to get into mentorship, and that's for me, I, that's, I think that's a great segue about how important mentorship is. Who do you guys look towards as trusted advisors? Who do you consider to be mentors? Who do you go to for advice? And then how, how important it is for everyone to sort of have a mentor to someone that can, they can have a conversation with, to bounce ideas off of, someone they can be, be vulnerable with. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mentorship is, it, it changed my life. Um, even if you, so, we take we take your parents, right? To me, that's probably like your first mentors, right? So I got mentorship from them, but they were my parents. Outside of that, I met a few people, met quite a few people in my life that have helped me. And mentorship doesn't have to come from somebody older than you. No. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to. <laughs> so I'm talking. About, I have mentorship from you yourself, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look to my friends to be more than my friends. They are. All, they're also my mentors. Uh, some folks I work with, they have mentored me. I mean, it's quite a few people. I could name a bunch of people. But um, just in general, what they have done for me, my mentors, they have, got, I mean, literally guided me in the right direction. But I think one of the most important things for us to understand is that there's people out there that want to help you, but we have to be open to the help. You know, we have to be we have to be willing to receive it. And on the, other, on the flip side, it may not be people that you think are out there to help you, but there's still knowledge, there's still things that you could pick up and learn from whoever, you know what I mean, from whoever, where you don't necessarily have to say, oh, I, oh that's my mentor, or he or she is my mentor. Indirectly. And the, you know what I mean? There's indirect mentorship happening every day. You know, but are, you, are your eyes open? Are your ears open? Willing, to, are you willing to learn? Are you willing to learn? You know what I mean? So, so... But that mentorship is huge because it just it makes it easier, and I don't even like to say the word easy. It just it just makes it it makes it a little effortless. a little effortless, right? If you have actually have somebody to go to, you know what I mean. It, it makes that adjustment uh, smoother. You know what I mean. It makes it a smoother process where you actually know you have somebody or some people you can speak to and ask them for help and guidance. You know, but if you don't have that, that doesn't mean you, you, you're stuck at nothing. You don't mean you don't have anything. You know, you just got to keep your eyes and ears open and be receptive and be and, and really be open to that information because, again, this is the information age. Yeah, to add to that, um, I think let's start with saying you have to have an appetite for curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I honestly can say I look to my friends that add value to my life to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. Like, I look to mine to hold me accountable mm-hmm. for my own personal goals as well as our goals and just you know you want to see another person succeed and do well but I don't think I I can't say I really besides Kenny Gamble 
I don't think I've had like a real mentor, and I've always wish I had. A, I've always had right. an indirect mentor. In a formal sense. Yeah, yeah. like someone that says, mm-hmm. you know, you're gonna call me once right. a month, right. and, and you know, Structure. give me your tax papers, I'm gonna show you how to, you know, right. beat the system right. on, mm-hmm. on business. I honestly, I had to have that appetite mm-hmm. to want to gain that information. Mm-hmm. So if I sit down with someone in a room that I know makes, you know, six figures higher than me, I'm going to listen to everything he says, right. even if it's a water cooler a, conversation absorbing about the knowledge. Exactly. I'm going to fly on a wall as soon as I know yeah. you have more information than me. You, you, you said a huge word, curiosity. Absolutely. That is the, 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 crust, the crux I seek knowledge. of learning. You know what I mean? You, you got to be curious. And you know what else? I, I I read this in a book, and I, I try to continuously apply that. It's like the rule of 33. Okay. 33% of the people around you are on the same level as you. Mm-hmm. 33% of the people um, don't have as much as you. Mm-hmm. And then 33% of the people are where you need to be, okay. that you aspire to be like. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you always have to make sure you're adding value to someone who has less mm-hmm. than you. But then you have your people that's on the same plane as you that you're mm-hmm. that's the accountability folks that say, mm-hmm. yo, you, you ain't work out today? Mm-hmm. You, did you take care of that paperwork? Mm-hmm. And then you have the people that you say, that's where I want to be. So let me watch. They do. Okay, here's the Maserati, but how to get the Maserati? Or, mm-hmm. okay, the wealthy only does this or the wealthy reads three books a day. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I'm saying? To learn mm-hmm. the habits of those who you've never been mm-hmm. exposed to, but you might be in the same room. To get that information, you have to constantly figure out, do you have the attraction of those around you to mm-hmm. be able to elevate those levels mm-hmm. in life? Wow. Um, so that's always making sure that I'm not, I don't want to become stagnant because the company I keep is stagnant. Mm-hmm. So as long as I got good company around me and, and then I'm always looking ahead of myself, yeah. I feel like I'm always going to be in the right place regardless if I have a direct mentor. But I know I'm putting myself on a plane to be guided. Yeah, I, b- I believe. Well, if you look at any, you probably think anybody famous that you know right now, they got mentors. Oh. You know what I'm saying? They got they got mentors. They got people they can go to, and that, that advise them on. Okay, what should I do? I got this situation. What should I do? What, you know. But uh, but again, not everybody has that. You know, not everybody has that. So I don't want it. I don't want to make excuses. You know what I mean? I still don't want to make excuses for folks. But uh, but again. Build that network. You got to build your network. It, it, it's going to it's going to have to come from within. You know what I mean? No, it's going to have to come from within, and 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 that self motivation, uh, self love, all that stuff, self awareness, everything. It starts from from you, but it is our responsibility to reach out, reach back, reach up, reach sideways, whatever way, mm-hmm. to grab somebody else and help them along the way. Because we see that. It's a challenge, right? Some folks don't have these mentors. Some folks don't have these people to talk to, but we can be that person they can uh, talk to which and reach out to. Which ties into the community, too, yeah. which is why my makes an effort to go back and say, you know what? Yeah. We know that the people from our neighborhood don't get Thanksgiving dinner. So we know what we're going to do. We created a community day of thing. We give Thanksgiving to the community a, a week before Thanksgiving because we know that might be the only way that they get to feel love at that capacity with that type of comfort food. So it's like you always got to make sure you are helping someone behind you. Otherwise, it's like, what are we all doing this for? Because you'll be, the, the top gets lonely. Mm-hmm. I'll answer the same question. Mentorship? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just honestly, like, just life, just seeing like people around me like make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I don't, I'm not going down that road, bro. Outside of those those people, um, just music, like being mentored by somebody you don't even know, like Jay Z. Mm-hmm. Just watching the moves mm-hmm. he made, or Nelly at the time when Nelly was popping. Just like, man, I want to do what these guys did, and then like, and parents don't understand like how important music is to kids because it's like. I follow Jay Z Puff whole career from like when he was hustling to like well when Jay Z was hustling, he made Reasonable Doubt. What album was that? The Reasonable Doubt. First one. First one. First one. First one. After that. Shocker. No, L- lifetime. In, in lifetime. Lifetime. Oh, then we went to that where it's like I'm still in the street, but I'm trying to get out. Then what was the album after that? Volume two. Volume two. Volume two. Volume two. Volume two. 
that was like, all right, I got money oh, now. Man, you know what I'm saying? We drinking crib, yeah. <laughs> they they feeling the kid, and then what was after that one? Hard knock life. Yeah. Hard knock life. That's he putting up with people on bleak and beans. So he got money at the. So it's like you could go through his albums like and identify like I was in this place. Yeah. Right. So that's that's like for me. That's where it came from, and then um, be a student of the game. Being, yeah, I mean that's the best. <laughs> that's the best. The yeah. best way you. I mean that's how I learned. I mean, um, just watching and observing and, and shutting up. Sometimes you just gotta shut up and, and watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I got older, a bunch of people, man, uh, from the senator to council people, just everybody. And, yeah, and I, I want to get back to that to the senator piece because. A lot of people are afraid of politics. They don't necessarily know how to accept it. They don't necessarily know how to get involved. They think that no matter if they vote or they don't vote, things right. don't affect them. Talk a little bit about how you got involved with the senator, You know how important politics is, and, and maybe some of the things that you're trying to enlighten other folks on being involved in politics. Yeah, I never cared about it at all. Mm-hmm. I never knew about it. I was ignorant to it because nobody never told it. I mean, me personally, nobody never taught, and I could probably speak for my whole neighborhood. Amy. No, yeah, <laughs> nobody ever. Uh, honestly, it should be a class on that, like Saturday classes, and they break that down to you. But nobody ever broke that down to me, like uh, who votes these uh, community, not community, uh, the senator, and you know the politicians, in. Nobody, yeah. and nobody, yeah, yeah, and what the actual. Job, what their what responsibility they do, their is, duties. Yeah. right? So, I, so I think a lot of people don't necessarily know what the actual job function you is. Can't hold them of accountable. A representative or a senator, but what's the difference? But they don't want right. you to know. They don't want you to know because it's. it's <laughs> I'm keep to be honest with you. They want that lane to be for the preferred group of people. It's, right, it's not they don't for, want yeah. you to know how to get to your state rep so you can beautify the inner city and, and, and the know that black populated there. neighborhoods. So, so has it been your experience with having conversations with people after you got to work so closely with the senator? Have you seen maybe an appetite for them to want to know after they, they've seen you sort of involved? Uh, I can't say like that they want to know, but I feel like it's people that see what I'm doing and they want to do it. So they would have to know anyway if you trying to do what I'm doing. So the people who want to know, do you think they'd actually ask you the question? Have people really kind of come out and sort of made themselves vulnerable to say like, hey, I love what you're doing. I want to do the same thing or, or how can I help? Do you think there's more people that have actually come out to you and, and expressed that feeling versus Vol- sort of kept it tight? To, like, Oh, hell yeah. People, okay. every day people tell me, because like she said, I made it cool to be a community leader. But on a political on a, level. On a political yeah, level. I was about to say that because magnetism, connection, whatever you want to call it, you know what I mean? He he has that. You know what I mean? He has that type of energy where people feel comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? People feel comfortable talking to him and expressing themselves in ways they may not feel comfortable with everybody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, got, you literally are the bridge. You're the yeah, connect. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. just your your aura, man, your your presence right. is is that type is is that way where, yo, man, I t- I like like I know you for like my whole life. I only know you for a week and a couple days. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? I, th- yeah. man, I think with me, man, is, is uh what you see is what you get. I'm not no like fake person or trying to get cool points or brownie points. My relationship with the senator is like a real relationship. Like he's like my grandpa. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like it's. It's not about political stuff. I get to know the real you. So I, I like, and I don't even know why, but people pour that and tell me, tell me what they really want to do. And once like we at that level, it was like, I bangs with you. I let you in my world. And when you want something, then when you, when you like, once you let me in your world, I respect that. Do you think that people are more likely to share the things that they want to do with people who they feel like can't really help them or hurt them versus them Absolutely. actually saying what they want to do with people who actually have the ability to help them. Yeah, because ego comes to the room. If you think he has more money than you, you're not going to be vulnerable around him. You're gonna you're gonna actually act like you know more than him. And so you're gonna miss your opportunity. Yeah, people to don't partner. have their radars up when they see Mont because they're already judged him to say, well, you know, my suit is crispy and stuff. So like that that ego stuff isn't there. So if they keep it real with him. Realize they don't realize like that that moment. Mont knows just as much as them. 
Right. So it's like too late now. We got the information. Like now, let's be real people and have a real conversation. Yeah. We don't, you don't have to do <laughs> that's what that, that that that, what that, is that thing. Like, why are we doing this? Like, yeah, that, that well, weird energy. Like, why we got to do this? Like, like, almost like a spar. Like, right. we don't, there's no scrimmage. It's just like, all right, you like basketball, I like basketball. Let's talk. Who's your favorite player? That's, and but and that's it's what no it is. So many times, like, I would go into these events and see these guys dressed, which is fine. I get dressed time and time when I really want to, where they put the suits and stuff on, um, and they be like, "Yo, you really in here with Tim's and jeans on and a jersey?" Yeah, man, because if I go somewhere and I can't be myself, I don't want to be there, period. Like, I, I feel like we shouldn't have to change for anybody. That's, that's not in, It's not in the Bible saying that we have to wear suits and ties and, and fedoras. There's no uniform for life. Huh? There's no uniform for life. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, man, God said, come as you please, and I'm coming as I want. Period, bro. I, like I said, I don't look at it. I don't look at stuff that deep, man. If you're going to rock with me, cool. If not, cool. <laughs> it don't matter. So so let's talk about last night and Mothers in Charge. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that organization and then how you came to collaborate with, with the Mothers in Charge organization? Yeah. It's a blessing because growing up, even before like me and Nisa, um, way before the kickback, man, I like they was the only people in Philadelphia doing it. On, on that level and it's like, like how long has she been around Mother's in Charge 2003 so uh, like seven is that a seven no, no. 2003 because the same person killed my friend killed her son word wow. that's how word. I was like this This all makes sense wow. like we were all supposed to be yeah it was confirmation for me wow. so that's crazy his mom and Miss Dorothy started Mother's in Charge together but she fell back because you know politics was like yeah, 2003 it all started. I think 2004 was like fully up and running. Like mothers were marching for and grieving together, marching together, and just campaigning for, you know, safer streets and, um, you know, just a, a safe haven for women to get support that they needed for um, losing someone to senseless violence. And so the group last night that we, we had the opportunity to sit with, how often do you sit with those? That's something that new they, they doing. So I was told it's going to be every other week, but that's new. But before that group, I was mentoring uh, 10 kids from Carson Valley uh, Youth Jail Facility. So I guess they trying to, like, you know, pick that back up. Yeah, because, okay. yeah, uh, I mean, it was um, – first of all, everyone had been affected by death. Um, everybody is. Some are just happened just were just more traumatic and catastrophic than others. One kid, a 16-year-old young man, lost his friend over an argument outside of a party, and then his father a couple months later in the same year. Right. And then you had a young young lady. She was 11 years old. She lost her uncle. Yeah. To, to gun violence, and then she seen it. She she was right there when it happened. Yeah. And then. Another young man who was was he he was around the same age ten. ten, he lost his uncle correct yeah and it's just all gun violence and yeah I mean like I said before I mean I don't I mean I don't know how they're coping with that because I I didn't I don't even know how to even pick that apart yeah um, but you two have also been affected by the same thing. Mm-hmm. How were you able to sort of draw parallels in terms of what you saw from last night and or your feelings about why that's important for kids to to come to certain support groups like that versus holding it in? I guess for at least for me, I experienced the same thing at about 14, 15 years old. So I think in that setting, the only difference is you, you're not guaranteed when a, a young person is grieving, you can't guarantee that they're going to find a positive outlet to cope with so and knowing the areas of the city that those young people are from there's less and less resources just to maneuver as a young person when I was still in school there was still music in the school system there were still arts in the school systems we still had thriving sports organizations in the school systems they don't have a lot of outlets it's it's just a different generation so it's just I think support groups like that are imperative simply because young people 
don't know how to express themselves. And the way we express ourselves now is through social media. And with social media, uh, we rely on way more alternative facts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry to add Trump's a pun. Trump's America. Right, uh, than we do <laughs> reality. So not only are you trying to avoid reality, but you're living in one that's, you know, fictitious at the same time. I, th- I definitely think that those can be instruments for more damage than good. So at least being courageous and, and you know, having the courage to even talk about it, having those resources. Because I didn't even know I was grieving until becoming an adult and said, wow, I really was in a dark place. If you look at back at the pictures, I wore, like, the same sweater, like, every day. I wore, mm-hmm. like, my hair in a ponytail. Like, I didn't dress up. Like, oh, I would not know that unless I've gotten out of that space to be able to analyze it as an adult. So um, hopefully... We're we're changing the route that those young people could be going on. Not to say that they were headed in a negative direction, yeah. but it's almost like you're being proactive. Exactly. Knowing that. So. Um. I don't know, man. Uh. I remember like losing my uncle and my cousin young. I probably was like ten too. And it's just like you just don't understand it, and then um. It really hit me when, like, my friend Will got killed coming home from school. And I was like, Yo, this this is really real. Like, you know, just chilling with somebody. At a young age, I think I was, like, 14, chilling with somebody. And then the next morning, they get killed. At a, that young age, you don't know. Like, and then you feel like you punish yourself because you're like, what was I doing that I couldn't been there to? Yeah, and I think that situation with Will... I would have been on that bus if I didn't catch the trolley. And we had an argument a day before he got killed. So mm-hmm. it was like, damn, like, we ain't even really. Resolved. Yeah. And it wasn't that deep. But it, it's like, like, but you know what that does? Because at least for me, it made me feel like going through my circumstance, I said to myself, I'll never take anybody I feel like adds value to me for granted. Right. Because it, what I mean, it hurts. It aches. It's, it's just a terrible thing to go through and I was like whether it's love from a friendship or uh, you know someone you're trying to build a relationship with even a relative anybody that you feel like you have some type of connection with where you can be vulnerable I never take those things for granted so I'm very choosy with who I let in my life so if I do lose them I can I know that I can handle it but I, I doubt anybody I've let in, I don't want to lose them. So I try to make sure, going back to that whole, my word is my bond, my character over everything, mm-hmm. I try to make sure because I think experiencing that trauma, I don't know what it'd be like to relive it. So for me, it's just be trying to avoid it. So what's next for Kickback? Uh, so let's start with what's coming up so right now we are planning and we're looking for sponsorships for uh our kickback festival that's something we do on 55th and chester avenue every year it's a music festival where we give free food to the community block party feel we have local artists come out and a few industry names uh last year we had pmb rock which is huge with the young crowd right now and we we gave haircuts out we ordered a couple game trucks we have bouncy houses for the kids um, it's just a, it's just a day of community entertainment and diversion. Every year for the last four years, there's been no violence in the city of well, just in Southwest, no gun violence, no arrests. Over over how long? Four years. Four. There hasn't been any gun violence in Southwest in over four not years. Not a murder, not a arrest. Wow. It's in terms of an act of violence. Yeah. None. Wow, that's great. The majority of the city is there. Um, we, we bring out between 2,500 and 5,000 people um, throughout the day. It runs from maybe 12 to about 8 at night. Um, we're going to do a fashion show along with MCM that same day. So one half of the block, there'll be three, it'll be a three-block-long uh, event. So first half of the block will be the major stage with all the um, talent and artists out there. Um, then we're going to have a block strictly for the kids. Uh, where the bouncy houses, the game trunks, the dunk pool, the haircuts will be happening. And then we'll also have another block um, to set up the fashion show. And throughout then, we're, we're inviting all the vendors of Southwest, Philadelphia, um, and the Philadelphia area. If you have a small business and you would like to vend, 
uh, you can get in contact with us. We would love to have you out so you can make some money that day. So we're all about stimulating the economy mm-hmm. and, and doing brand awareness. So if you have a small business and you have a product to sell, if you're a clothing line, a painter, uh, you make food that day, come out and then we would love to have you a part of the community. So that's what we, we're planning now. That happens the third week of June okay. every summer and will continue to be third week of June every summer. Uh, what else is going on? We're looking for sponsorships. Um, last year we raised about twelve thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Our goal this year is twenty five thousand okay. um, dollars. Who was involved last year in terms of sponsors? Uh, Kicks USA, Red Bull, uh, Ithaca, the United Way, mm-hmm. Boom Philly, the radio station, Senator Anthony Williams, State Rep Jordan Harris, uh, State Rep Joanne uh, McClinton. Jenny Blackwell. So we had a lot of politicians supporting us who provided in-kind donations such as the free food. We have a couple restaurants that come out and give free food from their uh, soul food restaurant for an hour. Um, So that day we would love to have people out, but our main objective is to get more sponsors, to make it even bigger, to get a bigger stage, to have bigger artists. And organization-wise, are you guys looking for any partnerships? Do you have your eyes on any particular partnerships that would that you think would be beneficial for you guys? Oh, absolutely. Um, we want to. We we would like more official partnerships. We've we've done one-offs, but now we're looking for uh, letters of support and MOUs. We want it at the formal sense where um, we're not going to go out and campaign just for one event. We're campaigning for the five events we do annually. Um, so it looks like we're starting to build a relationship with the University of Science, where we're recording right now. Um, Sciences is offered to give us uh, their gym for a day to do a celebrity basketball game. And um, we're really looking to extend the olive branch so we can create a relationship that surpasses just this one event. And um, we can have Sciences in the community uh, five times a year mm-hmm. um, through our foundations and the events we do. All right. So um, we didn't talk about challenges. Is there anything that you'd like to share in terms of just in terms of getting to this point right now where you're actually able to to turn a vision into reality? Can you talk about some of the challenges that you had to overcome to get to this point and then maybe some words of wisdom or or just uh, some things that you would like to share that you think could help other people out there do some of the things that they envision doing? and not necessarily knowing where to start or how to start? Um, uh, well, one, I have to say, trust the process and trust educate process. yourself. Sixers, straight from <laughs> affiliate. <laughs> Must be from Philly. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, that's a sixer process. mantra, but um, in, in the sense of I work with people that are mission-driven every single day, and the biggest issue for mission-driven people is they can't keep the lights on. Their hearts are full of gold, but they're not full of business. And... Um, I think transitioning people who want to give back to think more technical and strategic, I just believe that those are the type of um, knowledge that we kind of have to strengthen in order to uh, continue to make what you're passionate about something you can make a living from and and dedicate your life to it um, and not sacrifice your lights in order to, you know, brighten up somebody else's day. So with that being said, a challenge for us would be funding. People say they want to help. Um, i got to hold you accountable now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want your donation just once mm-hmm. for one event. I want your donation on a monthly basis or an annual commitment. You're looking for a partnership. Yeah, a partnership where, you know what, we can have a, a central location in southwest Philadelphia, mm-hmm. a hub for us to actually run a facility where we have a business center, so we can bridge the gap between businesses, entrepreneurs, and the community. Um, we're also looking for uh, funding. So let's you know beautify our community and take some of these abandoned buildings a lot and help us fund or raise the funds so we can actually have a location um, for our community that's sponsored by our community and is there for us to help businesses, entrepreneurs, and the community gain access to mentorship resources and business on just a general sense. So those that are mission-driven 
can thrive at the level that the United Way can or the National Cancer Society. Um, there's a formula. It's just we don't have the playbook for it. And um, we want to start with Southwest to make sure that that happens. Well, I think you guys are well on your way. Much congratulations to everything that you you have accomplished thus far. So, I mean, are there any words that you tend to live by? Or is there any particular mantra that in your lifetime has helped you just uh, keep your eyes on the prize, so to speak, or, or helped you sort of overcome different challenges and, and things seem to not necessarily be going the way that you figured that they should or would? Is there anything that you'd like to share with anybody else? Don't believe in comfort zones. Uh, fear is just a state of mind. Uh, I think if anything has ever stopped me in life, it's simply because my, myself was in the way. I allowed myself to get in the way, and I, I now operate from a place of um, I'm the only person to say I can and can't do anything. So I, can, I know in effect that I can do everything as long as I get out of my head and actually do it. There's nothing wrong with failing. If you have the resources and you open yourself up to accept help, I think fear would be less of a barrier for anybody. And also there's something that we want to campaign and kind of build into the community is there's a humanitarian in everyone. Mm-hmm. Impact starts from the small behaviors and changes. You know, yeah. giving one pair of sneakers instead of throw them away, or donating to the elderly, okay. feeding homeless. So they you, start there. So, are are you guys administering any of those type of programs in terms of with the sneakers, like with people throwing away sneakers or anything like? that? I think just people are just taking the taking for granted for the things that they yeah. just don't um, want anymore, yeah. and um, they're there's a place for those things that you don't want anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're fortunate to buy new things, um, but we do notice that from this community, there's a lot of people who are too prideful to go without until they're around good people that they trust. So our mission is to make sure that nobody goes without, which is why we do the sneaker drive or we do Christmas on the app or we give out toys uh, to kids or the community dinner um, where people don't get Thanksgiving. So we just want to impact the culture. That's, that's, I mean, it's powerful stuff. <laughs> um, how can people get in contact with you? Uh, right now, you can go to Mont Brown's Instagram. It's just Mont Brown, that's M-O-N-T, Brown um, at Instagram, or you can visit them on Facebook. There's a website coming up soon, so keep checking out to see when kickback.org goes live, and then we'll have a major campaign coming soon, and um, just stay tuned for the Instagram. Cool. So so we lost Mont and Jesse because we are recording from USP, and Jesse had to work, and Mont had to take a call. So I just want to close out this session by saying, again, I appreciate, um, first of all, I'm I feel honored and, and blessed that we had a chance to meet last night and it came together the way that it did. And uh, I look forward to being a resource in, in any way that I can and um, hold me accountable. If you want to brainstorm on some things, uh, whatever I can do. Obviously, I, I don't live here anymore, but I'm down as much as I can be. And so I'll be in contact with you guys to, to let you know when I'm coming down and see what I can do to be a, to, to help you achieve some of the goals that you guys have set. Um, and then uh, just one of the things that I'd like to sort of close out on is, for me personally, one of the things that helped me uh, or was a, an instrumental book in terms of shaping my perspective on the world uh, was a book that I read called The Four Agreements um, mm. by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. And uh, if anyone hasn't had the opportunity to read this book, it, it states four principles that, that everyone should learn to live by. The first one was be impeccable with your word because words matter. And we, we can definitely see that that's coming into play right now with our current president. So, so be impeccable with your word, um, speak with integrity, uh, use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. Uh, and so right now we're living in a time where facts tend to be limited and challenged for the sake of inspiring fear. And I, it's, it's one of the things that I would suggest people take a look at if you haven't already gotten that book. The, the second principle is don't take anything personally uh, just because you don't necessarily know what someone else is going through. So, um, you know, people tend to have bad days. 
people have bad days and you don't necessarily know what they're going through. Uh, just can't assume that it has anything to do with you. Uh, be confident that knowing that if you're doing the right thing, um, somebody might be going through something else in their life that they just haven't learned how to deal with or are struggling to, to get through. The second principle was uh, don't make assumptions. And I think that that kind of speaks for itself. Uh, just find the courage to ask questions, you know, that, which is something that, that Nisa alluded to today was courage. You know, people have to have the courage to ask questions. That's something that I struggled with my whole life. Um, I've always been a quiet guy. And, and even just uh, just diving into this whole podcast arena was a challenge for me because I've always been shy. I never really asked a lot of questions. Similar to my, I, uh, I learned from other people's experiences. Uh, you know, I see somebody get smacked upside the head by an auntie and be like, oh, I know I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, so, uh, and, uh, so I learned from other people's experiences, but one of the things that I've learned how to do is, is ask more questions, uh, be more inquisitive, and it's, it's, it's been to my benefit ever since I've gotten comfortable and I'm still learning to get comfortable with that. Uh, and then the fourth principle was always do your best. Never leave anything on the court uh, so you'll never be disappointed in, uh, in the outcome. Uh, you, you can be let down, obviously, to the, at, at the outcome, or, or you can, I guess, let me say, you could be disappointed in the outcome, but you can't be disappointed in yourself with regards to you giving your all. And to me, that's always been the, the differentiator between winners and losers. Winners and losers don't have anything to do with the outcome of the game it has everything to do with the effort and the attitude during the process. So I'm going to sign off with that. Uh, again, I want to thank the guests today, the contributors, the influencers, Jesse Phillips, Mont Brown, and Nisa Coates. Uh, this is the co-op. We'll see you guys again next time. Thank you for having me.